All right, welcome back to another edition of Northern Exposure. I'm your host, Jay North. Jason North, money bags in some parts of the world. Uh, still waiting for that to come to fruition, but I appreciate the nickname. Uh, welcome back. So happy to uh, be back with you. And uh, we've got big things coming up. I'm super excited. Uh, a week from today, I have my buddy Jay Gordon, uh, all the way from Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, coming down, sitting, doing a podcast with us, and that's going to be some ball-busting good times. Um, we will probably talk governments uh, in this in this edition, because you know what, why the hell not? Uh, our neighbors to the north, going to be fun, going to be a good time. Uh, you won't want the kids in the back seat of your car when you're listening to that one, or probably even within 20 feet radius of you. You probably want to put headphones on or listen to it quietly <laughs> or wait till they go to bed. But I can, I can promise you that episode is going to be a good time. I want to give a shout out to our past guest, uh, Freddie Lenhard, sharing his kick-ass 140-pound weight loss journey uh, with us. He did the bari- uh, bariatric surgery procedure. And of course, there's dietary, nutrition, and fitness requirements that you have to maintain. And uh, our boy has been doing just that. As we mentioned in the episode, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, my man is down 140 pounds, uh, 40 more pounds to go, and he'll be back at his high school size. And now that's important, guys. I used to run up and down basketball courts all day long with that man. So the fact that he's looking at 180 pounds total in loss when this is all said and done, Kudos to you, my brother, and thank you for being on the show. We will definitely have Fred back. Um, But I wanted to kick things off with a feel-good story on this edition of Northern Exposure in a world that gives us a lot of crap. Most of the stuff that comes out in the news is crap. Well, golf, uh, in a very little quiet tournament, uh, minor tournament, now what would they call a major? These aren't the tournaments you're going to see Mickelson and Tiger Woods and whoever else is awesome right now because I'm not a golf fan. I do confess. So I have no idea who some of these freaking guys are. But I know the guys that play in the majors, like the top 10, top 15 guys, are usually pretty consistent. Um, gentleman named Brandon Matthews, uh, aspiring to make the Open tournament be a big deal for him. Uh, I think it would be his first major. I don't recall. The article on golf.com uh, didn't really elaborate to that. But we have some feel good, and I actually uh, discovered it on the Scott Van Pelt show. So kudos to Scott Van Pelt. Uh, if you don't know who he is, ESPN Sports Center anchor. He has the Scott Van Pelt podcast and uh, the Scott Van Pelt show. So he's a busy man, and he's unmistakable. He's about six foot four, six foot five, something ridiculous, with that clean shaven bald head and always a stylish pair of glasses. <clears throat> we need to get you in a pair of silhouettes, Scott. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, but Brandon Matthews had forced a third overtime hole. It was him and another gentleman. And he had an eight-foot putt for birdie to force a fourth overtime hole. Or you miss it, you lose. And on his back swing, a shriek or a scream or a cry, whatever, however you want to classify the sound, came out of the gallery. It uh, caused Matthews to flinch a little bit on his backstroke, and he duffed it. He missed. And uh, he was, you know, visibly upset a little bit during the shot. Um, you know, wasn't throwing a temper tantrum or anything like that, but you could just tell in his body language that he was upset. You know, he had a chance to go to a major. Well, the tournament director uh, went up to Matthews after and had indicated to him that the, uh, the yell came from a Down Syndrome golf fan who was just overwhelmed in the moment and overcame with excitement and couldn't contain it. 
Um, and at that point, Matthews said, I want to go meet him. And so they brought Matthews out to meet the golf fan. He, he hugged him right away. He wanted the golf fan to know he wasn't mad about, about anything. Um, he was happy to have him as a fan. Because um, I believe the gentleman was actually trying to cheer for Matthews. Um, and this really, it hits, it hits my heart. Because, uh, you know, in my family we had our Uncle Butch, who was 71 years old when he passed away. Um, and according to his doctor at the time, I don't know if it's still true to this day, but at the time, he was uh, the second oldest living case of Down syndrome in the United States at 71 years of age. And Matthews went on, and I caught it on the Scott Van Pelt uh, you know, show, the actual feed. Um, Golf.com doesn't touch on this, but Matthews had a lot of nice things to say um, that he values the Down syndrome people, how happy they are, that they're really phenomenal human beings, and just super excited to have the opportunity to meet him. And he taught us in this moment that there's more important things to life than wins and losses. And on my Facebook page yesterday, I'm going to throw kudos to you, Scott, because I loved it so much. Um, I had posted, for those of you that do follow Northern Exposure on Facebook, I had posted the quote that inspired me yesterday, and that was that adversity does not build your character, it reveals it. And that quote was by Scott Van Pelt. And uh, Brandon Matthews showed that, and no truer words, in my opinion, have been spoken. And uh, I just thought it was a great story. I thought it was a very special story. Um, and just something nice. Because if this thing didn't happen, you even if Matthews hit the putt, and he goes on to win this, uh, this thing, and he gets to play in the Open tournament, which I believe is this weekend, you still wouldn't have heard of him. You wouldn't have heard of him. Because, let's be honest, what are the chances? You know what I mean? Just to get there, those bottom guys, they don't mention them. You know, if you're not making the cut going into Saturday, your name doesn't get brought up too often. So, a good feel-good story. Hindsight being 2020, probably glad it happened. Everybody now knows who Brandon Matthews is, and everybody can now kind of take away that, hey, this guy might be a hell of a human being. So, again, a good feel-good story. We love it. I love it. Down syndrome people are some of my favorites. Uh, in the world, I can recall taking care of a patient years back. There was the mother with the daughter, the daughter uh, Down syndrome, and definitely had some anxiety being in public, and it just made her happy to hold my hand and walk around the optical shop for about 30 minutes while her mother took care of her eyes and got her eye exam and did everything else that she had to do. So kudos to Brandon Matthews uh, for, for being an outstanding human being. And kudos to Scott Van Pelt for making that a highlight on his show the other day. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be right back. Going to get into a, a question that I was asked earlier this week from a good friend of mine. He wanted my perspective on sales and whether or not I actually enjoyed it as an opportunity has come his way. And uh, I gave him my two cents, and I thought it was uh, you know, at least valuable enough to share here. Uh, Northern Exposure for my professionals that are out there in that environment, whether it's you know business to business sales or Uber retail. So I'm going to elaborate, give you my perspective, take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Uh, just to recap, I wanted to touch base. A buddy of mine had reached out uh, maybe a week, week or two ago. Time flies on me. Um, but he wanted my perspective as he was presented with an opportunity, and like anybody, he said it sort of sounded too good to be true um, in terms of financial earnings, but it would be in sales. 
And uh, yours truly is an account executive for an awesome eyewear company, Silhouette International, uh, family-owned and operated out of Austria since 1964. Uh, beautiful company, beautiful product, great culture. Um, so prior to that, I'm a New York State licensed optician. So working in retail dispensaries, I've been a general manager, I've been a lab rat, well, out of title lab rat. Um, and I've done pretty much everything you could do in the industry except the eye exam, um, which, is, which is phenomenal. It's given me a ton of experience. Um, and now here I am about to celebrate my third anniversary with Silhouette going into year four. December 1st is the anniversary. And this is a different ballgame. So when he asked me, you know, what do you think of sales? How do you like it? Uh, I had to stop for a minute because in, in any sales professionals that might be listening, you know how easy that answer is when you're riding high. And the last seven or eight weeks, I've been riding pretty high. So, you know, the easy answer when you're riding high is, oh, I love it. I'm making so much money. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And then there's the valleys where you're not doing so good. And the answer might be, I don't know. I got an ulcer. I'm all stressed out. I haven't eaten or slept in three days. Blah, blah, blah. It's sales. Okay. It's a grind. It's a grind. And there's ebbs and flows, just like the economy, just like anything else. Because guess what? Your clients are going through those hills and valleys too at the exact same time. So I paused uh, before I gave him my answer. And the reason I share with you, the listener, is because, you know, one part of doing this podcast, of course, is to have a good time, bust some chops, get some laughs, introduce you to some people that you may be like, what the hell's the cat tree guy? What's up, Jeff Whiting? But uh, if there's anything that you can gain from a value standpoint on this podcast, that's the other part of my job. That's the other part of my desire doing this. Um, I'm not claiming to be an expert. I only share my real life experiences with you. And if there's a couple listeners out there that every time they listen to an episode, they could take something away or learn a new trick or gain new motivation. Um, great, great. That's half the point. So what I told him, uh, quite frankly, is the glass, the ceiling is made out of glass. That is true. Um, it's really hard to promise an income to somebody. So basically he was told, you know, three years in, you'll be making six figures. You'll be making a hundred K. Um, you'll start out about 60, 65 the first year, you know, you got to build up your client base, blah, blah, blah. So, which is fine. And that's, that's a decent living and it's outside of his comfort zone because he's comfortable doing what he's doing right now, but it's physically demanding. And he's my age, 39. And I had some experience in the, uh, you know, construction world and, you know, the older guys, they're phenomenal at their job, but you could see the wear and tear in their bodies, their body language, how they walk, all that good stuff. So I told him, uh, I don't, the sales aren't important to me anymore. And it probably, you know, baffled him a little bit, but what's, what's most important to me now, what I enjoy the most now is the relationships because I have accounts, I have clients. We are going to see each other several times throughout the year. And uh, we are hopefully going to make each other very successful. That's the idea. It's a partnership. It's a relationship um, in this venue. Much different than, you know, being an optician. You know, your doctor's got 20, 20, 20 to 25 exams on the book that day. And you know that anywhere from 18 to 20 of those people are probably going to need some eyeglasses. They're coming out to the floor. They're going to see you. This is different. You got to get your butt in your car. I take care of about three quarters of New York State, and then I dip down into Pennsylvania, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Enron area. But the relationships is really what it's all about. I attribute the wave that I'm on right now to making that the focal point and making that the priority. 
Um, so that was number one because I feel like this job is very fulfilling. And people will be like, that's crazy because sales is stressful. It is. It is. Listen, this isn't for everybody. If you've got a weak stomach, I've had really, really good paychecks. I've had some that it's like, Ugh. <laughs> so, you know, it's not for everybody. It isn't. Um, but what I find in this endeavor, and I'm not, I, if he wants me to share with you guys what he decides to do, um, I'll do him one better. I'll just bring him on the show and let him tell you about it. Um, but that was my biggest advice to him. If you do decide to go this route, the sales are going to be important because that's what put, that's what put food on the table. But the ability to build the relationship, this actual human to human contact, which in 2019, as we start to go into 2020, becomes more and more foreign to the younger generations. And no offense to you guys, it's been given to you. I'm a little, you know, we're a little weird. That 39, 40 to 45 age. We grew up with, you know, ColecoVision and Atari, and we watched the technology expand and explode into what it is. But we weren't as dependent on it uh, as we are now. So I don't blame the young people for being so, uh, I don't know if electronically inclined is the right terminology, but uh, I mean, they're, they're damn good at it. They're on a tablet or on a phone. I mean, I am recording this podcast off my phone, <laughs> so I can't act like I don't need it. Um, but that was my biggest thing. It's a lost art. It's valuable. And it's important to have the relationship. Now, the reason I wanted to lead off the show with that feel-good story um, from Scott Pan Pelt earlier, uh, you know, with the adversity does not build your character, it reveals it, is because I also feel like that goes into this arena as well because I have actually really had positive impact and growth in relationships through moments of adversity. Because it's in those moments that your accounts and your clients or whatever you want to call them learn the most about you. And that's why I think that quote punched me in the stomach, for lack of a better term, and really got my attention. But what do you do when things aren't easy? Um, we just had an accounting mess up with one of my biggest accounts. Uh, we put that out really quick. Own it, apologize, move on. And uh, the account even told me it's it's not what happened, it's how you handled it. And perfect. So that's what it comes down to. Lead with uh, humility, integrity, the willingness to learn. That's huge. Um, don't act like you know everything. Even if you do know everything, there's a way to do it with a certain level of respect, dignity, humility, um, and not sound pompous and over the top or over aggressive or give off that I'm better than you vibe. Um, so that relationship is important. So those are your direct client relationships. The other relationship that I feel is extremely important and every venue is different. Some people you're going to be in sales, you're going to get to work shoulder to shoulder with some of your colleagues. My case, not so much. Okay. We are all across the country. I believe there's 55 of us, uh, five territories. So, you know, like my closest colleague is four hours away in either direction. So we don't work together in that regard. 
but you want to build relationships with your colleagues. You, um, and that's one thing that I've actually started to enjoy this year. I've got some colleagues that I can lean on. I've got some colleagues that lean on me. I've got, you know, we go back and forth together. Uh, my buddy from the uh, West Coast just called me yesterday. We chatted on the phone for 20 minutes about business, about how things are going. Um, make yourself available to your teammates. Um, you know, some people, oh, screw that, that's a leadership. No, dude, it's... It's it's not. It's just being a good person. It's reaching out. It's building rapport, and it's making the team stronger. And it creates a culture and an environment that everybody wants to be in. So, I think that's extremely important. So my big my big things now for business to business salespeople: relationship, integrity, humility, willingness to learn, and be available to your, both your clients and your colleagues. And uh, be willing to learn. Go outside your comfort zone. When you get to these meetings, if it's a, you're doing an activity that you normally wouldn't participate in, participate in it. I've, uh, I've actually made some beautiful friendships with some clients, uh, colleagues, I should say, across the country over these last three years. Um, you know, I've, I've got several of you. And you know who you are because we talk almost every damn day. Um, but that was my two cents on it. If you get into that environment, if that's the kind of sales environment that you're going to get into where it's more business to business, client account relations, relationship is the operative word. Bottom line. That's Jay North's two cents on it. Going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, so just to recap, these are going to be my closing thoughts for this edition of Northern Exposure. Um, we started out with a little feel-good story, courtesy of Scott Van Pelt, um, which coined a quote, adversity does not build your character, it, def- it reveals it, and uh, which brought us into segment two because I thought it was all connected as far as relationships and sales. And uh, I just wanted to give one little tidbit more. Um, and I wanted to use an example. I was watching, uh, fooling around on YouTube, and I came across a video, um, and I don't know if the gentleman was in a business uh, lecture setting or a college lecture setting. That was kind of unclear. Um, but what he was doing, he was sharing a story. Um, and I want to say it was probably either a business class in college or an actual business seminar for professionals because the whole concept was about relationship and culture. Um, which we sort of just mentioned in segment two when I gave my two cents on how I enjoy sales relationships. So this gentleman was with SEAL Team 6, U.S. Navy SEAL Team 6. And his question for the, uh, the commanding officer was really, really simple. How in the hell do you pick who's going to be on this team? Because every Navy SEAL is the best of the best, Right? And the SEALs, the the commanding officer of the SEALs, actually gave the guy uh, a chart, a graph. And, you know, on the left hand, the left hand bar going up was level of performance. So as you go up on the left side, you're a top performer. The uh, bar going to the right uh, on this graph was trust level. So, you know, if you're at the, you know, if you're at the 90 degree angle in both, yuck probably not a Navy SEAL. Um, so he turned the tables back on the guy. He said, okay, so what do you think we go for? And he's like, well, I mean, it's military, right? You probably want your top performers. That was the wrong answer. Um, what we found out with SEAL Team 6 is that they would rather take a medium performer with top-level trust. 
as the commanding officer said, if you go into a place, any place of business, you could say, who's the asshole? And they usually point at the guy that's exclu- or girl who's exclusively the top performer. And it was, it was really, it got my attention because I've been in environments where the top performer, statistically speaking, was the biggest schmuck in the place, right? So I found this to be intriguing. And the commanding officer told the gentleman, he goes, you have, I need men on this team that I can trust at my house with my wife with a large amount of my money on the kitchen table. Uh, the guy was just blown away. It all came back to trust. So you have the elitist level of military in this United States putting emphasis on trust, which corresponds into relationship versus performance. Um, I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty insightful. And to find out that when you have a bunch of guys that trust each other, then as a core nucleus, they perform together at a very, very high level. And ladies and gentlemen, that's SEAL Team 6. That's the best of the best. So when you go back to work today, wherever it is, or you go back Monday, or you go back from the holiday weekend, however it is, really look at that. Think about it within your own organization. Who are the people that are top trust? They have your top level trust. It's interesting. And what kind of culture do they bring? Because the, Na- the commanding officer for the Navy SEAL said that guys that are exclusively top performers, but they have a very low trust score, are typically toxic for the environment, which is strange. Um, so basically, they made it as far as like top performers. If all you have is top performers but low trust, your long game's no good. You want people that you can trust that maybe perform at a medium level right now. And if you put them all together, they're going to create a culture that leads to top performance. And now your long game is sustained if you're translating that to business. Very intriguing, very interesting. And since we were tying in things with business today, I figured I would conclude the podcast with that. An example from the most elite members of our United States military. U.S. Navy SEAL Team 6. A freaking mend. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope everybody has a really kick-ass weekend. Again, really looking forward to my boy Jay Gordon coming down here, bringing you some of that international flair all the way from Canada. Um, If you hear me, Jay Gordon, bring me some of those ketchup chips that we don't have here in the United States. We need to figure it out. So, um, and then my other Canadian guilty pleasure, if you guys have never encountered the show on Hulu, Letter Kenny, do it, watch it, you'll love it, it's great, it's comical, um, I've got a couple of my colleagues hooked on that show, and uh, one of my friends is actually binge watching it from the beginning all over again, she's actually thoroughly enjoying it, and uh, she mutters to herself, figure it out. 
uh, every once in a while. So yeah, there's going to be some aboots and A's on the show uh, this upcoming week. It's going to be a good time. We will touch government a little bit. I mean, hell, he and I will touch whatever we want to. Uh, when we get together, he's affectionately known as Big J, and I'm Little J, even though I'm taller than him. I don't know how that worked out. Um, but I love you, brother. I can't wait to get you down here. This is going to be fun. And again, back-to-back years where you guys come down and hang out with me uh, and my wife, uh, family, for Thanksgiving weekend, which is awesome. Um, so kudos to you. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Hope you guys have a good weekend. And uh, be well. We'll talk to you soon.